0: You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on Test Cricket uh, by Armchair Critics of the Game. We are recording this episode on the 23rd of February. Um, Thank you for all your support. Uh, Do keep uh, your comments coming in. Your feedback is also very important for us. Um, Introduce this to your cricket-loving friends. Uh, Please uh, uh, spread our reach as much as you can. Um, You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or any other uh, podcasting platform that you may use Uh, we have a a facebook page now Uh, you can look for armchair cricket podcast Um, we uh, periodically post um, quizzes and polls on our facebook page Um, so keep an eye out for that Uh, you can also follow us on twitter our twitter handle is at armchair cricket pod we are usually live uh, in on twitter uh, during an ongoing match Uh, you can join us there for a banter um, you can email us on armchair.cricket at gmail.com. And uh, whichever platform you listen to us on or wherever you follow us, do leave your comments and also give us a rating, preferably a five-star rating. Um, now, having said that, we have a lot of topics to discuss today, a lot of um, hot topics. Um, but uh, before that, I would like to introduce to, uh, you to my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm doing good. As you say, it's a very eventful cricket week. Before we get into the cricketing events, how have you been? How are you holding up?
0: Well, I think we've had a lot of exciting uh, few days of cricket uh, during the last one week or so. And uh, we've seen some history books being rewritten. Uh, so a lot of exciting times. I think it's it's going to be very good uh, this episode. I have a feeling that uh, it's going to be a nice, uh, you know, conversation.
1: Indeed. Yes. Also some serious things to discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Again. Yeah. So before we go there, I think uh, let's quickly look at the trivia question from last week. So uh, so based on some inputs that we received, uh, we've decided that we'll sort of simplify the trivia question so that more people can easily guess the answer. So the question last week was, uh, who is the highest run getter in terms of aggregate in Ranji Trophy history? So it's a very easy question and we got a couple of correct answers. So uh, we had uh, our friend, Yashwant, who also gave the answers previously, guessing the right answer. And also a new user, Pati who came up with the answer. So the right answer is Vasim Jafar. So congrats to Pati and Yashwant for contributing the right answers. And in return, Yashwant had asked us, who's the second highest scorer? So the second highest scorer in Anji Trophy History Aggregate is Amol Mazumdar. And interestingly, if you were to look at the list of runs, uh, there is not a lot of difference between him and Devendra Bandela, who is at three. So between these two, you can see the difference is, is exactly one run. So over a career of 10-12 years, you can imagine there may have been some, you know, ups and downs or you know, some interesting decisions given by umpires. So this I think will stand as a very debated or a hot topic because really the difference between the two top second and the third batsmen uh, is one run. So this is something interesting. So, uh, yeah, this is the trivia question. So, I would, uh, let's say, recommend to all our listeners, if you could uh, stay back, we'll give you a trivia question at the end of this episode in the housekeeping section. So, before we look at the cricketing events or the cricketing matches this uh, episode, uh, I think it makes sense if we were to now look at the burning topic Mm. on hand, which is, uh, well, BCC has written a letter to ICC requesting that... uh, Its member nations uh, sort of condemn and boycott any country from whose shores terrorism emanates. So this is a very serious topic. And also I think we can get into uh, some of the side topics like uh, BCCA's pending decision on whether it should play in the World Cup and so on. So Giri, uh, what do you think about this?
0: Uh, Well, it's right now a hot topic, right? I mean, uh, I think the world is talking about it, especially the cricketing world, the administrative part. Uh, Uh There have also been some reactions to this by some prominent figures like uh, Surin Gavaskar, um, uh, India coach Ravi Shastri, as well as the captain. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Some interesting points there, especially from uh, Mr. Gavaskar. Um, So I think one of the points that were raised um, uh, leading up to this uh, letter that PCCI has apparently written to ICC was Mm -hmm. that um, one of the options was probably to boycott the World Cup itself. Um, the other thing was India not to play um, against Pakistan in this World Cup mm-hmm. or even asking uh, ICC to ban Pakistan from playing in the World Cup. So there's several topics here. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, but uh, um, the other, I mean, I think uh, the, the points which Mr. Gawaskar made is, uh, is also quite interesting because he says it is India... Who is going to lose out, uh, miss out, basically, if uh-huh. they if any of these were to be you know um, considered, uh, mm-hmm. supposing India you know boycotted themselves out of World Cup or if they chose not to play in the World Cup, of course they are one of the favorites, so they will <laughs> uh, they will lose a good chance of uh, you know get regaining the World Cup. Number one, number two was if they were to not play against Pakistan. Um, they would just it would just be considered as a bye. You know, Pakistan would get uh, two points uh, if India didn't play against them in in the World Cup. Considering it's a round robbing format, they will play mm-hmm. against each team will play against each other uh, mm-hmm. at least once. Um, if they'll play again in the semi-final or final, that's another topic. And supposing this India-Pakistan encounter uh, happened to be in a semi-final or a final, would India uh, not play then? That's a very different topic. Um, exactly. But, uh, you know, if, you, you have to consider that uh, India have not been playing against Pakistan for at least or about 10 years now. I think the last mm-hmm. series was under uh, Mr. Uh, Inzam haqs captaincy. Uh, Pakistan was led by him, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so India haven't played in a bilateral series. They've only played in Asia Cup and uh, the preceding World Cups. Um, mm-hmm. um, and we had a similar situation about 20 years ago uh, when there was an incursion in Kargil, you know. Uh, that was, uh, I think that was an even uh, more hot topic. Uh, mm-hmm. And back then, India did play against Pakistan in the World Cup. Uh, it was at the same ground. I think it was even at uh, Old Trafford, which is where they're, uh, you know, state, slated to play uh, in this World Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. And India came out uh, uh, victorious out of that match. But then again, you have to consider that they, they had similar tensions uh, 20 years ago, and then India did play. Maybe it will happen again. I'm not sure. It's for not for me to speculate. But uh, you have to consider all these points uh, that were put forth by Gavaskar. Um, yeah, you know, w- what's your take on this? What do you I mean? Uh, what do you read here? I mean, how how uh, do you uh, uh, you know um, how do you read this whole
1: uh, topic? Mm. Look, uh, as you rightly pointed out, quite a lot to unpack here. So if I just go top <laughs> sorry down, sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's it's not a problem. So I think you summarize the situation, and you know I can uh, contribute a couple of small things here and there. So um, in this case, um, first of all, if you were to look at the whole uh, event, so BCCA in its letter has sort of uh, requested ICC to, you know, reconsider that. You know, member nations should not uh, should also recognize that there is this happening, right? So, and internally, BCC is deciding what should be India's step as a nation or as a country participating in the World Cup, what should they do? And this has not yet been put forth uh, in front of the ICC, but at least ICC has been alerted that this might be coming. So, uh, the chief executive of ICC, Shashank Manohar, also the tournament director for the World Cup, Steve Lwarthi, these people have been sort of saying that they have been keeping an eye out on how it, the situation might develop, right? So, uh, in... Um, Manohar has said that you know India can inspect the security arrangements if they want to sort of convince themselves that all the necessary due diligence has been followed. This is one thing. Right. The other thing, of course, he said that he would put this um, this letter from India in front of the ICC board members and the members member nations in the next uh, meeting. That is twenty second. Right. So while this goes on on the world stage, Kavaskar sort of pointed out a couple of very interesting points. One of the other points that he pointed out was that even if India were to take this to a world body like ICC, that might not be the right world body. He said probably UN needs to be approached, right? So in this very sort of long 20-minute interview, uh, Gavaskar uh, sort of pointed out that, you know, if ICC were to be approached about it, ICC would probably say this is a bilateral matter and a world body like ICC, which is a sporting world body, might not have much to add, right? This is something. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. The other thing he said is, indeed, India should probably use a UN, uh, right? This is one of the other ideas he said. You should use the UN forum rather than the ICC forum if you want to really make this uh, an issue that uh, should be brought to light. Then the last thing he did mm-hmm. was point out. So he's sort of vehemently against giving away the points, as he said, giving a buy. Why make it any easier was his perspective, right? Giving a buy. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, um, I think he used this interview as a very nice platform to address his friend, Mr. Imran Khan, who is now the Prime Minister of Pakistan, to, uh, you know, sort of show some initiative. Imran Khan himself has acknowledged in his speech, of course, that if there is any actionable evidence, there can be something done from the Pakistan side as well. So, as you said, we will have to watch this space carefully and uh, we'll have to see how it develops because when the coach and the captain of the Indian cricket team were approached about it, which would be inevitable, as you can expect, they said... Uh, we will follow the directions of the board and the country's governing body right so they did not have much of a input themselves they of course expressed the condolence of what happened condolences to the people at the whole support but then both said we will follow the lead of our uh, you know the organization bcci and the government of india so uh, that's an interesting thing because in india bcci is not affiliated to the government but nonetheless in these matters i think they take uh, directions from the government so It'll it'll remain to be seen how it unfolds. So I think we'll get more inputs in the upcoming episodes. And I think at the end, as you say, some amount of detente, or some amount of you know common sense, insanity might prevail. And you rightfully pointed in the, the example of 99 World Cup may follow. So we'll see how it comes through. So that's a very interesting and interesting thing to follow in the coming days. So let's keep our eye on it, Kiri. Now. Yeah, yeah. If you were to move on to the cricketing events, the most important one as far as we are concerned is the test match, right? Between Sri Lanka and yeah. South Africa. Would you like to take yeah. us to the second test?
0: Yeah. Um, so, um, the second test match, I think we did a preview of this uh, in our previous episode before it was to start. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: so, this match was um, played at uh, uh, Port Elizabeth. Uh, And this was expected to be a slowish pitch compared to the other um, high field pitches uh, because this was also on the coast. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we also predicted there would be some kind of attritional cricket uh, with the pitch also being conducive to spin. However, uh, what transpired uh, was totally contrary (laughs) to what especially I had predicted because I I, I had predicted at least, you know, four day match. That's what I was thinking of. As it turns out, in the end, they needed—they they didn't even need a full three days. I think the the match was over in uh, seven sessions, was it? Before lunch. Yes. Yeah. So it was seven yeah. sessions in the end, and mm-hmm. um, Sri Lanka pulled off an unbelievable series triumph here, uh, first for any um, Asian or a subcontinent team to mm-hmm. uh, you know to win a series in South Africa. Um, so I think it's it's a historic uh, feat. No other team has done this from the subcontinent like I said um, mm-hmm. so our uh, you know uh, I cannot help but admire the way they fought back after I had given them no chance after their uh, uh, twin 2s of uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, New Zealand and mm-hmm. Australia mm-hmm. Um, so this is a massive turnaround um, and they claim the series 2-0 I um, I, I, you know, I, I had even said they, they it would be, a draw would be enough for them to win the series, but they mm-hmm. win it, they they won the series comfortably, uh, two nil in the end, in seven sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just go through the scores very briefly. Um, so, uh, so <clears throat> South Africa won the toss uh, and decided to back first. Um, mm-hmm. South African openers uh, have not had such a good series so far. I think Dean Elgar was not successful. He got out cheaply. Uh, but Aidan Markham looked a lot more fluent than he did in the first match.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: scored a 50. Um, um, uh, up, and after him, I think, uh, uh, yeah, the other big name here, Hashim Amla, unfortunately, he got out for a first ball duck. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's I read that's his first ever first ball duck in test cricket. That's quite Indeed. something. Um, yeah. So, is, is he approaching the twilight of his career? Or is he already in the twilight of his career? I don't know. Maybe another topic. I guess discussion.
1: so. I, guess, I yeah. guess he is in the twilight. We can take it up a bit later. Yeah, I think, I uh, think so. yeah. Let's see. Um, mm, and then they had a
0: middle-order collapse until uh, Faf uh, Duplessis and uh, Quentin Cock put together um, um, you know, uh, about 50, six, 50 runs partnership, just over 50 runs. Faf mm-hmm. got out for Faf du Plessis, The captain got out for 25 runs. Uh, but uh, like we uh, have come to expect from him, Quinton de Kock scored a very brisk 86 runs from 87 balls, a uh, counter-attacking innings to take mm-hmm. the uh, um, you know to, to try to snatch the momentum away from Sri Lanka, and they managed to a large extent. Extent mm-hmm. um, when uh, um, when this guy uh, was this guy. Uh I, I think when uh, after uh, Faf got out, there were nobody else. I think uh, this debutant, uh, Vian Mulder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he got out for nine runs. Uh, Kesha Maharaj was a duck, got, got out for a duck. Um, and Kajisor Abada and Quinton Decoq, these two guys put together some sort of a partnership towards the end, which mm-hmm. helped them, in fact, reach 200. Otherwise, they wouldn't even reach 200, to be honest. So when... Um, I think Maharaj, Kesho Maharaj, was out for 157. The score was 157. These two Mm -hmm. guys put together a partnership, strung together a partnership of um, 60 runs, or just less than 60 runs. And then Mm Quinton de Kock got out. um, And then the tail followed afterwards. I think uh, in the end, South Africa were all out for 220 runs. Mm -hmm. Um, Bowlers, amongst the bowlers, Vishwa Fernando was effective again. He picked up three wickets along with uh, Kasim Rajita. Mm. Also, got three wickets. Um, <laughs> even Karuna Ratna, the captain himself, with his dibbly doblis, got a wicket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but surprisingly, we'll, we'll again speak about him later in the second, uh, when, when I come to the second innings. Daranjay Adi Silva mm-hmm. got a couple of wickets. I think that proved very crucial, especially mm-hmm. because um, Lasit Ambuldenya yeah. was injured while trying to field um, a ball off his own uh, bowling. Uh, his uh, left thumb got injured. And he had to be operated uh, on the same day. So he, he could not bowl again in the test match. He bowled only four and a half hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry,
0: five and a half hours, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they were basically a specialist bowler down. And then these two guys, Karunaratna Ratna and Jananjaya uh, de Silva, filled in for him. Um, mm-hmm. So South Africa were out for 222 runs. Sri Lanka, <laughs> um, uh, I think Sri Lanka were, uh, try, they, they tried to be very positive when they came out to bat. And they tried to score quick runs. Um, the, the opening partnership was steady. But then uh, when Karuna Ratna got out, on, uh, when the score was 25, uh, they kept losing wickets at regular intervals. Um, I think Tirimana, when Tirimana got out, uh, this guy, Osh- Oshada Fernando um, and uh, I think Kusal Mendes was the next man in. They, 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 they all, uh, Especially Kusal Mendes, he had a start. He scored 16 runs. He couldn't convert that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then they had a night watchman coming in uh, um, when um, Thirimana was out. So that was uh, this guy, um, Rachita, Kasun Rajita.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I
0: think he did his job. He was there till the next morning. Um, and when Mendes got out, um, basically uh, Kusal Pereira tried to play a counter-attacking innings. Uh, But he Mm -hmm. got out cheaply. He got a start, but then he got out uh, immediately afterwards. Dananjaya Di Silva was looked a bit fluent, but then couldn't capitalize until uh, Dikwela added some weight to this uh, scorecard. He played a quick fire uh, 42 runs um, quite aggressively, and then South Africa in the end managed to score 152 154 runs. They were all out for 154. Another first innings failure compared to what they had in the first uh, first test, this is what happened to them again. Um, so yeah, they, they, none of their batsmen looked like they wanted to play a longer innings. Mm. Um, so if we, uh, when South Africa came out to bat uh, in the second innings, again, the openers not doing a good job, the openers not playing long enough to make a difference to this side. Uh, Markram and uh, Elgar got out cheaply, especially Elgar got out again mm-hmm. single figures for single figures. Uh, Hashim Amla put up some kind of resistance this time. He played a 32 runs. He, he got out for 32. Um, mm-hmm. Ma again, not a success. This time failed again. Um, mm-hmm. But only the captain stood up. Uh, this time he, he made 50 runs. He was not out in the end. All the others, you know, uh, after him, uh, Quinton de Kock, Vian Mulder, Keshav Maharaj, Kakhi Sorabara, Dale Stein, and Duvan Olivier, All these guys got out in single figures a couple Mm -hmm. of them even ducks. And South Africa were bowled out for 128 runs. Although, they had a lead of, uh, I think, 78 runs. After the first innings, they Mm -hmm. were bowled out for 128 runs. So, uh, Sri Lanka needed 197 runs for victory in the end. Uh, Mm -hmm. Looking at South Africa's second innings batting performance, we also have to look at the bowling, uh, uh, Sri Lankan bowling. There were only four Uh bowlers used. Um, Suranga Lakmal, of course, uh, their main strike bowler. Uh, Vishwa Fernando, Kasun Rajita, and then Dananjay de Silva, part timer, who filled in for uh, uh, Lasith uh, uh Suranga yeah. Lakmal was, you know, he was very good, very very good, very consistent. Uh, he picked up four wickets, quite successful.
1: Mm-hmm. Vishwa
0: Fernando got an initial breakthrough uh, when he removed Dean Algar, so he got a wicket. Kasun Rajita. Got a couple of wickets, but Adisilva, he got three wickets. So he got two wickets in the first innings and three wickets in the second innings. He could easily have been four wickets um, had had it not been a no ball uh, when he got uh, Faf Plus stumped. But it was a no ball, uh, a crime for a spinner. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but wow. he, you know, but in the end, they 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 it turned out quite all right for them because the damage was only about 14 or 15 runs um, mm-hmm. towards the end. So it didn't change a lot for them, but you know, uh, but this guy did a terrific job uh, picking up three wickets um, as a part-time spinner. Sri Lankan innings um, began towards the end of second day, in the third session. Mm-hmm. Um, Karuna Ratna and Thirimana played a very steady uh, opening partnership. They got 30-odd runs uh, until mm-hmm. Thirimana, you know, um, he just... Um, you know, poked at a, a ball outside the off stump. I think it was also a very good ball. It just, just straightened. He could have left it, let it go. He was leaving mm-hmm. all the balls that were uh, pitched on the same line, but this one oh. he just poked at it and then he got an edge. Uh, he got out and then Karunaratna, uh, you know, followed him a uh, couple of runs, a couple of runs later, uh, and then they were basically uh, 34 for two. And in uh, and the batsmen who were left out were uh, Oshada Fernando and uh, Kusal Mendis. They played out mm-hmm. till the end of the day, thankfully for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so uh, when 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 they came back on the third morning, in the first session, I think this is where the whole uh, series was decided, or the, the whole match was decided. Basically, these two guys stuck it out for the first hour, like what is expected from a top order batsman. So these two guys really played well in the first uh, first hour, and then mm-hmm. when they well, Sri Lanka did not lose any wickets after the first hour, the, the, that was basically it. It's a, uh, these two guys took complete control um, uh, Oshada Fernando scored 75 runs And uh, Kusal Mendis scored 84 runs Both of them not out till the end Carried Sri Lanka safely uh, safely to, through to that score of 197 um, Successful chase I think the bowlers were a bit down uh, If you look at them uh, If you looked at how they were bowling They were bowling a lot of full pitch deliveries And These two guys were playing uh, you know, they were just playing through the line. They were not trying to play across. They were just playing mm-hmm. through the line. It was uh, They just showed us that it was such a good batting uh, surface in the end. So, if the Batman, batsmen had stayed long enough, they would have been able to capitalize. Uh, I think um, Quinton de Kock showed that in the first innings. Also, Markram. Mm-hmm. And these two guys uh, just highlighted that again. Um, it, so, uh, Kurs mendis for his 84 runs, was awarded the player of the match. And uh, uh-huh. Kurs pereira for his uh, historical innings, you know. I think one of the best ever innings in the second innings. Uh, from the first match, he was awarded the player of the series.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: Sri Lanka, in the end, won the series 2-0. Um, which is very good advertisement for test cricket. So South Africa, beaten at home. By mm-hmm. a side which is like four or five uh, spots down the order in the test uh, test rankings. I think South Africa is number two and Sri Lanka must be six or seven. So, very good performance from Sri Lanka in the end. Amazing and hats uh, off to them. Uh huh.
1: Uh huh. So, well, I mean, if I were to look at a couple of analysis points, um, in this case, uh, well, uh, look, I think it stands out very clearly uh, that, uh, you know, the South African bowlers were out-bowled by their Sri Lankan counterparts right through this series. Mm-hmm. It comes out mm-hmm. as quite a surprise. If you look at the top three run scorers, there are two South Africans mm-hmm. there. So Quitrin de Kock and uh, Fafdi Plessis both are in the top three. But the highest is Pereira, Kusal Pereira, who was then nominated as the man of the series. right? Uh, but he's yeah. not very far ahead of either of these. So it's, it was overall a low-scoring series. But if you look at the top three run uh, wicket-takers, it's... Two newbies from Sri Lanka, Fernando and Rajita, who are the top two. And then there's Rabada, who has eight. This is a very crucial point. That's point number one. But then, uh, if you look at just this test itself, I think you highlighted it perfectly. Uh, Dhananjia De Silva has taken five wickets in this test. And uh, uh, as you were telling me off the air, he bowls these non-turning off-breaks. Arm balls, bunch of arm balls. So, uh, it's very interesting that Sri Lanka clearly outbowled. South Africa, and then it was a very small difference in the batting efforts on both sides. So, uh, as you pointed out rightly, uh, Quinton de Kock played a very good innings in the first, uh, you know, first innings for South Africa. It was a runner ball 86 nearly, right? Mm-hmm. And then Makram was able to play a more um, uh, traditional Test innings where he had a 52 strike rate. But really, nobody even tried to grind out. You know, this is where somebody needed to play an innings like Pujara did in MCG against Australia, mm-hmm. if you remember, where. That they ground down two days and all they had were 450, but then you realize that was more than enough to make a comfortable victory in that test, yeah. correct? So somebody needed to show that sort of application on this pitch. This pitch was not that difficult to bat. There were no balls that were keeping low or there were no balls that were suddenly shooting up of a length or nothing like that. If you remember our discussion during England and yeah. uh, West Indies series, not, nothing like that. It was a yeah. steady pitch. This is the first thing I understood. There was some amount of lateral movement throughout, which is which means it's a good... It gives you a good you know, contest. But then the batsman did not show the application. And then, uh, Vian Mulder, who made uh, a debut in the place of uh, Vernon Philander, had a very quiet outing. So, he had two failures with the bat and he took one wicket with the ball. But he hardly bowled seven alls, right? This was an interesting thing. They did not choose to use much of him as a bowling all-rounder or a all-rounder who could bowl a few overs. He was not used that way. Again, when you look at the spinners, you see the same thing. Keshav Maharaj only bowled two overs in the first innings. Yeah. And in the second innings, again, by the time he bowled, he's only bowled six and a half hours. But even by the time he was introduced, the new, uh, the two batsmen were already set on the mm. third morning. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to go through the Sri Lankan first innings, it was it was a disaster. You know, the opener sort of started well. You know, for once they had kept out almost ten hours and without a wicket falling. Um, I was thinking, okay, this this could shape up into something. But then they fell in a heap. Only in Hiroshima, yeah. sort of counter a little. Again, the same thing. If you look at the top four of Sri Lankan batting order, they all had starts. Uh, Oshadar failed, Oshadar Fernando. But uh, in the top six, there were four 20s or four equivalents of 20s. That meant yeah. there were some starts. Nobody converted it. Dikwela counterattacked. They got to only 154. Even at this stage with a 68 run lead, South Africa looked comfortable. So then I, uh, as a cricket uh, enthusiast, I was thinking now sanity will be restored. The insanity is over. Now South Africa will just bat and bat for two days and push Sri Lanka out of the game. And they'll take the game. Mm -hmm. Again, I got into a couple of meetings or whatever and then I could not really follow it. A couple of hours later, you tell me, did you see the score? I'm like, what happened? And then I look at the score. I can't believe it. South Africa hardly lasted 45 overs in their most probably the most crucial innings of the series. And... It, it is no, uh, no different from Sri Lanka who had lasted not even 40 hours. But then Sri Lanka always scored at a slightly higher rate, I think. So that meant they were a little ahead. But now Amla was sort of looking to looking in a decent touch in the second innings. But I think he got out at a very crucial time. And then he sort, sort of betted down and I, we, one could have hoped he could go on, make a 100 or an 80 and sort of give that uh, basis for South Africa to build on. But then you can clearly identify. It. Nothing happened. So, I would, if you were to look at this entire series, it was a complete, it was a complete uh, loss for South Africa because of their top order. Nobody in the top four even made a 50. Only Makram once, he made a 60. But yeah. that's nothing. Dean Elgar had no contributions to speak of. Ashimamla had no major contributions to speak of. Temba Bawama, who batted at four, did not do much. Five Plessed, de who batted in the middle and the lower middle order, sort of had all the runs. You know, uh, when you bat at five and six, you are not, Sort of always making the most runs in the eleven. Yeah. That that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, never ha- and always South Africa has a sting in the tail. This is always seen. This was the other thing that was missing. You know, somehow the top order gets them to 150, the lower order takes them to 300, and that matters. I don't think South Africa ca- crossed 300 after the first innings of the first test. They never crossed 300. That was terrible. Again, that was something that was quite quite visible. You know, and in spite of all this, we can say all of these things. 197 was still sort of a fighting total, right? Yes. You know, 197 is is easily the second highest total of the match. And mm-hmm. Sri Lanka have hardly made 150. I really like the attitude of the Sri Lankan batsmen in the second place right? They knew if they went into the shell, that was going to be too dangerous for them. So, uh, the two openers played very steadily. They had scored about 30 in the first, you know, first and overs already. And when they were dismissed back to back, but then It has to be appreciated that Oshada Fernando and Kusal Mendes never went into their shell. Right through their approach. So it was a match-winning partnership of more than, let's say, 150. But they never went into their shell. They kept attacking. They kept looking for scoring opportunities. And South Africa are the culprits for giving them those scoring opportunities. Dale Steyn had a very quiet test series overall. right? Rabada did his bit. And Duane Olivier was very effective in patches. Uduane Olivi also took four wickets this match. Kragi abada took, uh, you know, five wickets this match. So, by themselves, they were not very bad. But then Stein was sort of missing in there. The leader of the attack, so to say, with this experience was sort of missing. That's one thing. The other thing, again, the lack of usage of the spinner. This came out very drastically, where Keshav Maharaj was not used at the right times. Or, you know, you could say he was not as effective, of course. But then it also is about giving him the right sort of fields and letting him bowl in the right period. That was never seen, right? Uh, they have Fafdi Plessis, the batsman stood up and got counted, but Fafdi Plessis, the captain was nowhere to be seen. That was very weird for me. And the worst thing was on the third morning, uh, you know, worst thing from a South African perspective. When you started, you had to say, in this half an hour, we make these otherwise, the test is gone. You didn't see that. So, uh, so Sri Lanka kept scoring very positively and they took a, took the match away. And in the last, already with 78 runs, you could see the. Shoulders droop from South Africa. There was no fight left in them, and it was they were just going through the motions. And Sri Lanka took it away from them. So, real kudos to Sri Lanka. First of all, uh, they have achieved history, a historic victory here. They have taken the second test. They have been the first Asian team. You already highlighted this, but also look at the number of players they kept los- losing. So, they lost their fast bowlers again. They lost a the spinner this test. They were without their top, you know, two batsmen in the testing Matthews and Chandimal. Still, look at look at the look at the way they played. And maybe this is the blueprint for Sri Lanka going forward. You know, it's fine. It's not about dropping the most experienced players, but playing in the spirit. They showed the Sri Lankan spirit of playing. And of course, you know, Kusal Mendes he was due. He was really not performing well after that miraculous second innings hundred in New Zealand where they got a draw. He was not doing much. Right? So if you look at it, I think he he finally came good. He scored a unbeaten eighty-four. And what I saw for Shada Fernando, I really liked. He's a bit dominant uh, bottom-hand player that is more into the leg side. But what I saw was, he was able to judge which balls to attack and which to block. That's Absolutely. the key hallmark of a good test player, isn't it? He showed them. And also, both his highest scores are in the second innings of a match. That bodes well, really. right? So, yeah. uh, that means this guy is in for the fight. You know, There are agenda-setting batsmen and there are batsmen who reserve their best for the fight, like Graeme Smith or Kusel Mendes, we've already discussed yeah. this in the previous episode. So, you know what? Uh,
0: this, you know what? Yeah. Uh, Oshada Fernando was especially very good playing the short ball uh, from one Olivier or uh, this guy, Kahis or Sorabara. They bowled a lot of bounces and he was able to hook them or pull them quite nicely. He was always trying to keep them on the ground, you know,
1: not mm-hmm. trying to hit
0: a six of all those short pitch deliveries. He was very good, uh, uh, you know, off his back foot pulling or hooking.
1: Yes. Yeah. Also, Kusal Pereira showed this in the first test in that amazing innings. Mm, mm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think the Sri Lankan batsmen were never afraid of the short pitch bowling. Well, somebody who bats in the lower middle order or somebody in the tail was always going to be looking very uncomfortable and that was fine. But none of the top order batsmen were really afraid of the short ball. This is something I think we should also give credit to the Sri Lankan batsmen. Usually, you expect a subcontinent team going to South Africa to be a bit concerned about the short pitch bowling and... To be frank with you, both Rabada and Duane Olivier tested the Lankan batsmen quite a lot right through these tests. Mm-hmm. And they came out on top with mm-hmm. the short pitch stuff, on me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they have to they have to be given the credit there, right? Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. So overall, it's a fantastic result for tests. Uh, if you look at test cricket overall, the last five to six months have been very good. Mm-hmm. So with New Zealand, first of all, winning in UAE against Pakistan, then yeah. you saw India winning in Australia away. Both of these were away, New Zealand and India. Yeah. Then yeah. You know, England previously had already won Sri Lanka away, right? Then West Indies sort of retaining their, uh, or winning the Frank Warhol trophy for the first time at home. And then uh, this Sri Lankan victory, the the last sequence of test series have been fantastic. It shows very much the test series and test cricket is really not dying, but it's probably getting a new rejuvenation with all the fast bowling, the good pitches, the faster Mm -hmm. scoring rates, you know? It's probably getting a rejuvenation, a second or the third win, you know? It shows that it can persist. And still mm-hmm. even people like Chris Gale, uh, they acknowledge, you know, in his uh, interview, Chris Gale said people should try test cricket. You know, Chris Gale is now a, you know a bounty hunter who plays in T20 tournaments, you may call him. But he this guy had played hundred tests and has triple hundreds to his name. So he has played a hundred tests. So he did also acknowledge that test cricket is still the premier format. And people from that region should not give up on that, right? Mm -hmm. All this is very, very encouraging as a test match fan, to
0: yeah. I do think so. And a couple of other points I wanted to mention here uh, regarding this series South Africa and uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, Uh You know, because of these uh, changes that keep coming in the Sri Lankan squad, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe this rotation is actually helping them. Uh, The guys who come in have more energy and are also also have a lot of hunger, you know, to for success. Uh, That probably is propelling them forward. Somebody like Vishwa Fernando or... um, Who is the other guy who came in? Kasun Rajita, for example. Yeah. -hmm. Uh, So, these guys have a point to prove. You know, they have been given a chance to prove themselves. I think um, Kasun Rajita already had his debut and Vishwa Fernando. Oshada Fernando, this guy also, Mm -hmm. he he made his debut this series. So, these Mm -hmm. guys had a Mm -hmm. lot to prove. Um, Somebody like uh, Angelo Matthews, who will come back in. uh, Also, Chandimal. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm so because of this competition within the squad i think uh, it augurs well for them the uh, south africa sorry sri lanka will also have a good bench strength when those guys come mm-hmm. back the real uh, the stalwarts um, the other point here is uh, south africa were probably mentally tired i think they were gone uh, after the first test match they had a, they, they had to they had a lot to uh, swallow basically
1: Mm-hmm. And after mm-hmm. that,
0: they, they looked quite spent on the, on the field, especially uh, when they came out to bat in the second innings. They didn't show any application. Uh, they were gone. I think they just wanted to end the summer and then go, go on to other things like uh, T20 or one-day matches, uh, mm-hmm. you know, leading up to the World Cup. That's uh, the other thing. Um, and we, we saw guys like uh, Duan Olivier especially. He was so good against Pakistan, uh, bowling mm-hmm. that uh, test match length we spoke about uh, in our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, he turned out to be not so effective in this series uh, against uh, uh, Sri Lanka. And mm-hmm. then, um, if we were to draw a comparison between how Pakistan played uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks before uh, Sri Lanka started their series and how um, Sri Lanka played, if you draw a comparison between these two sides, um, I think Pakistan's skill level was quite high. Uh, the, the, the bowlers are more skilled than these guys like mm-hmm. al Lakman, who, who bows and a good nagging uh, line and length is very consistent you have to uh, agree on that but pakistan is seem to have more skill uh, they have a good uh, lineup on paper for sure
1: mm-hmm, but look mm-hmm. at what
0: sri lanka have on the, the, their squad on paper and the, look at those names no, they have some guys like uh, kusal mendis or kusal Pereira who stand mm-hmm, out but mm-hmm. apart from that they don't have big match players uh, who who have made an, you know they don't have big superheroes kind of um, so sri lanka's uh, Effort has been a team effort, I think, and they have done so well because they played together as a team. And Pakistan may have played well in patches um, comparatively, uh, but uh, I think uh, if you, yeah, like I said, if you compare these two, uh, you see the difference of a Mm -hmm. team gelling and playing as a team and a team playing with a bunch of players who are good individually in terms of skills and uh, so on. Um, Yeah, so, so South African summer ends with a defeat for them uh, mm-hmm. against uh, against not such a strong uh, Sri Lankan lineup when this began but i think they finished well they finished very strongly what what is coming up next uh, for uh,
1: mm-hmm. in terms of tests i think south africa will be touring india after the world cup
0: yeah but uh, before that i think sri lanka will uh, play against uh, south africa in uh, t20s right t20s so yeah
1: Yes. Yes. Both. So yeah. there will be some uh, short format cricket, and mm. so rightfully, if I may, just quickly revisit a couple of things you said. Mm. I think you pointed out rightly, and you hit a couple of things on the head right away. Because I think there was a huge chasm between the two touring teams, Pakistan and uh, Sri Lanka, and you're right. The way Sri Lankan batsmen were unafraid of the short ball was a very key thing. They did not care about reputations, as you say. You know, they just did their work. Mm. That's one point. The other point. I think if you look at South African top order, they, I think they really need a revamp. And I think Hashim Amla, he's a re- legend of the game, but he may have to look deep within himself and see where he's going in terms of tests, right? Mm. Because if they can't take this batting or this misfiring batting order to India, they'll be they'll not be able to perform well. And they'll also probably have to find another spinner who can support Kesha Maharaj in on the Dust Bowls of India, right? Mm. So something for them when they're touring again in tests, uh, So if you look at takeaways from the two teams, I think Sri Lanka, we've already discussed all the plus points, right? Mm-hmm. Only thing that remains is, of course, I think we should not forget Suranga Lakmal's contribution.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I think he's, he led the bowlers very admirably, even though he was not always taking the wickets. He did get five fours, right? We spoke about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he did also sort of lead this attack well, and a lot of kudos to Vishwa, Fernando, so that stock, when it comes to fast bowling, looks promising. And the way they handled the short bowling loop was very good. But South Africa, it's a real bother, because their bowlers look completely teethless and idealist. And yep. Stein probably, yes, he had an off-series, you could say. And I don't think he's a spent force. So we'll have to see how he performs in the upcoming days. Because now, the entire focus of all of the teams will switch towards the World Cup and the shorter format. This will be put on the shelf. But when they take it back, I think they have to revisit some of these really pain points, right? Mm-hmm. This is one point. So yeah. when it comes to the you know the tour program, I'm just looking at the future tour program, and you're right. South Africa, I think they have a couple of uh, one days, five one days, and three T20s against Sri Lanka, yeah. and uh, these are the last preparatory matches for both teams, right? Yeah. So then after that, the next engagement for both of these teams are the is the World Cup. So they'll want to use these uh, remaining eight matches very carefully so that they can fine tune the final uh, points for the shorter format, right? Uh-huh. This is the upcoming things. Apart from this, there's nothing else. And then uh, I think we covered most of the points of the series. Uh, so yeah, now, <laughs> of course, nah, it is it's bound to come out because we like Test and This was an engaging test match series. So yeah, we will get into reason. the details normally. normal, I expect. So now if you were to look at the other uh, cricket, I think let's quickly look through the uh, one day series that are in progress. So to begin with, I think we can look through the West Indies versus uh, England one day series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, if I were to quickly summarize the two matches, so the series stands one all, currently. So, there have been two one-dayers. First one there in uh, well, both of them were in Bridgetown. So, the first one that happened on 20th February, which was a very high-scoring victory for England. And then the second one was uh, for a, you know, sort of a very attritional match where West Indies made 289, but they were able to defend it. So, if you were to look at uh, both the matches in a little bit of detail, now I'm going to the first one. So, in the first one, West Indies uh, chose to bat first and they put up a huge 360 uh, on the back of uh, Universe boss Chris Gale was making <laughs> a comeback into the team scoring 135 you know nearly run a ball 135 but he hit 12 sixes and lost six balls in
0: six.
1: <laughs> crazy guy crazy crazy it was almost like you know somebody was saying on a commentary team it's like he's a lion that's sleeping like he keeps blocking and somebody pokes him and he just wakes up hit a six then the next uh, 10 minutes he's again asleep when somebody pokes him, he gets up, he hits another six. And I think he balanced the, the attack and the defense very well. He was not able to get much of the strike rotated because, you know, somebody pointed out, out of the 129 balls he played, was only able to score off about 69 of them. So 60 dots. That's very high percentage. But because of the six hitting, he was able to keep up with the strike rate. But he was very well supported by Shy Hope, who made 64. Uh, Campbell started off well. Campbell is debuting in the series. John Campbell from the Tests, if you remember. He made 30. And then Bravo hit a 40, and then Hetmeyer hit a 20. He was supported right through. Nurse hit a 25 in the end. So 360, you could imagine, was a very tall total, right? For example, Mohin Ali went for 85 runs in his 10, 10 uh, over spell. But Ben Stokes did a fantastic job. He, he In his eight overs, he took three wickets for just 37 runs. Him and Adil Rashid finished off. And I think a lot of kudos need to be given to these two because they were able to hold the uh, West Indian innings back. At some point in time, even 400 looked a possibility. But they kept them to 360 and you know what a beast this England 1-day team is. They yeah. came out firing, right? Jason Roy uh, made 123 and Root 102 and they comfortably won the match. Comfortably, it's as if they were chasing, you know, not even 300. So, Besto gave a good support to Roy at the beginning. But even though Besto was dismissed, I think Roy and Root together, they added uh, comfortably quite a lot of runs, like more than 100, but at a stunning strike rate. Their, uh, the run rate never dipped under eight until these two were batting together. So, and we are talking up to the 25th, 26th hour, they were still able to comfortably score above a run rate of eight. That meant the rest of the batsmen had nothing to worry. So, once Roy got out for 123, Joe Root uh, continued batting with uh, the captain, Morgan, who hit a 65, right? And I'm not referring to the rum, I think uh, the England captain, Ian Oin Morgan, I remember, in this case. So, he hit a 65, of course. And then, in the end, Stokes and Butler just finished it off. It was, they still had Moinali and Wokes in the hut, you know, and it. So, it was interesting. So, for West Indies, Bishu was bowling well, but he could not bowl enough good balls together. He always considered a boundary each over. And then, Brathwaite was taken apart for runs. Holder himself was taken apart for runs. None of the West Indian bowlers showed any amount of control on that pitch. It was a good batting pitch, no, one, no doubt. But... They dropped also five or six catches. I think they dropped uh, Roy twice and Root three times, and all of these were very costly. So I think it was a com- collective uh, effort on the field that let West Indies down. West Indies down, and it, uh, they lost the match comfortably. But in the second match, they made a couple of changes to the eleven. Right for the second match, they brought back in um, the uh, you know the Jamaican soldier Sheldon Cottrell, and he was the difference between the teams. You could say we'll see, we'll look at it because. While batting, again, England won the toss, but they asked between the West Indies to bat first, hoping a repeat of the events. It sort of went that way to script. Gale this time made a 50, and he sort of got out, out of 63 balls. And then Campbell made 23, Hope made 33, Bravo made a 25. So it was sort of a middling sort of an innings. They were not, there was not enough momentum until Shimron Hetmeyer stood up, and he made 104 out of just 83 balls. Fantastic ball striking again. You know, he, he's this guy really shows that... And you know, uninhibited scoring that you saw in Lawrence Rowe or Garfield Sobers in those Esther years. In fact, some of his shots through the offside reminds me of Garfield Sobers. If you look at the, uh, quite a comparison, know, the old, Ajit. <laughs> well, only the some of the shots through the offside, but okay, nonetheless, hmm. no, no, no. I think he has a very, very long way to go. If you remember hmm. Garfield Sobers in his second test innings made 365. So, I mean, you have to keep that in mind, right? right. Okay. But okay. this guy has, has that sort of. Free free flowing hitting through the off mm. is uninhibited hitting you see in the Caribbean he has that yeah? mm. and then he was supported by Carlos Brathwaite and Nurse who sort of took the total to 289 but then based on what was achieved in the first match it, you would think this would not be trouble, troubling England but that's where Cottrell came in he took out both the openers for literally no score and then England were really reeling really, at when they lost Joe Root at 16 to O'Shea and Thomas, they were 60 for 3, so you know this was not going to be that sort of a script, you clearly saw this, Morgan made 70 and Ben Stokes 79 and they did their bit and Josh Butler made a 34 but they couldn't finish the match off, again uh, first of all he took a couple of wickets at the top of the order and then he came back to finish the tail and uh, he took 5 for Cottrell and uh, of course you always remark on his celebration, right Kiri, on his uh, soldier celebration, <laughs> his salute, I love it, uh, yeah. very very colourful. But people from that region have always been very colorful right if you look at celebrations all the way down the order I mean down the years I might say so curttly Ambrose always had a very interesting celebration if you remember the big uh, uh, raising of the wrist and jiggling of the wrist the you know the rolling of the wrist on top of his head the giant Ambrose right from there to you know some very weird ones even I think I remember there was a spinner from Indies. I can't remember his name but he was a spinner and he used to if he ever got a batsman stumped out, he could he used to take out his uh, shoe and hold it to his ear and say, hello, hello, as if he's making a prank call to the batsman. You know, some very interesting celebrations celebrations from that region also. I think Coffey, you were pointing out some celebrations from Pollard, right? Something he was writing. Yeah.
0: He was writing
1: something. Turning, right? a that turning
0: a page over. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So they, they come up with their celebrations, but of course, they that is always after a wicket, so there's something to celebrate, right? Mm. Uh, Holder took three wickets as well, supporting Cottrell. And Ocean Thomas sort of, he took one wicket, but he looked more threatening this match than the first one. Yeah. I think yeah. Ocean Thomas has a way to go before he can take a spot in the Test match team or even become a completely finished product. But man, what a bowler. Right? Yeah, he bowls uh, a very 140s. heavy ball. Yeah, high And a very heavy ball. So, I think it, it's it's one of those rare bowlers. He's not like Brett Lee. Brett Lee used to bowl well into the 90s, but he, he would not look that threatening. This guy looks threatening, man. Like, um, he looks like one of those bowlers you need to be afraid of as a batsman right mm-hmm. uh, Carlos Batvez, Carlos Batvez had a couple of very okay okay performances neither with the bat nor the ball so he may be replaced in the coming matches but this was a quick summary of the two one-dayers do you have anything to add there Giri
0: um, yeah just looking at the first one-day match uh, uh-huh. 360 runs were scored on both sides so mm-hmm. more than 550 no how much Seven. more than 650 m- runs in a match. I was just Mm -hmm. thinking this was such a flat pitch. Uh, Maybe, you know, I think the bowlers had a very bad day. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or the the bowlers had nothing in it, basically. It was such a flat pitch. You might as well replace bowlers with bowling machines, you know. (laughs) I think uh, being a bowler is not a good, uh, is, is not a
1: it's a thankless task. It's, a, yeah, it's a, task. a
0: thankless task. Thankless task as well as uh, it's not such an honourable profession anymore with these uh, in these uh, limited over uh, matches, maybe right. uh, one days or uh, T20s. Especially T20s. If you play that in, uh, if you play a T20 match like India will play Australia uh, in a few days in uh-huh. Bangalore, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the smaller grounds and a flat pitch. You can imagine uh, such a difficult task to be a bowler. Um, in, in the second match. Uh, it was a very you good you contest. I watched this uh, uh, England innings unravel itself uh, mm-hmm. from the 25th over or so. I think they were very comfortable. They were mm-hmm. chasing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, when this guy, uh, who was this guy? Uh, I think Butler got out at the wrong moment, and then mm-hmm. they sort of had a small hiccup there uh, when. Butler got out? Was it Butler or Stokes? I think it was Stokes, yeah. When Stokes and Butler were batting, they needed some 60 runs or 62 runs from 61 balls, something like that. So it was almost run a ball. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Ben Stokes got out, uh, they they couldn't gain momentum again. I think the West Indian bowlers bowled really well, especially uh, Lieutenant Cottrell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) He bowled really well uh, towards the end. Um, uh, I think that was the main difference there. If Ben Stokes had stayed longer, uh, England would have had the match. And when these Absolutely. guys like Ali and uh, Adil Rashid, they were trying to make some quick runs. It couldn't—they couldn't, they, they couldn't m- make anything out of it. It was very difficult for them. West Indian bowlers mm-hmm. were very good towards the end. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Brathwaite—he, uh, you know, he's been playing in a lot of franchises, uh, T20 franchises all over the world. So he's quite good uh, in the death. So he bowls good. Uh, uh, you know, he bowls intelligently, basically. In the I match. see, I see. So that, I that's see. why I think he was brought in late towards the end.
1: And mm-hmm. he eventually
0: finished the match for them, I think, when uh, Liam matched. Plunkett was uh, holed out. But so, mm-hmm. he has his role in the team. So, it's not just... Uh, he, he will not bowl uh, in the beginning of us, but towards the end. I think that's his role. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: So, it, it, it boards well for the next match. Um, so, one-all... Three more matches to be played in this series. Uh, look forward yes.
1: to the next one. Yeah. You know, just a couple of points there. I think uh, you, you said you know bowler bowling was a thankless task, and I I mentioned something that can be a bit politically non correct or incorrect. You know. Go so, ahead. Uh, I said bowling, bowling was a very working class task. Well, I mean, if you look at it historically, all the way back to the origins of cricket, you know, the the people who had the money were always batsmen. People who were who didn't have the money were the people who were fielding and running after the ball or bowling the ball right so it was gentlemen versus players and gentlemen were always sort of the nobility or the gentility and yeah. the land owning people and the, the people who worked in their farms or the people who worked for them were the bowlers in the field mm. this is how cricket started it unfortunately still remains the same i think <laughs> bowlers are still the second class citizens look it, it is a, it is like that for a it's like that for a reason of course but finding the balance is the main thing because if the bowling gets too heavy you saw what happened in the tests between south africa and uh, Sri Lanka the batsman were not affected. It's mm. very thrilling. But, uh, you know, it's it's still a bit... Uh, uh, it becomes very one-sided. So, yeah,
0: but you know, I, you said, know, I think the batsmen also need to be tested. Their skills need to sure. be tested. It's not sure. just boundary hitting or six hitting. They also need to show they have a good defence. So, you need good bowling pitches. I think the balance, it's very difficult to achieve. But I would rather have a three day test match than a five day match where they just play two innings or three innings and it uh, plays out and they play out or draw out of it.
1: I think you made this point in both these tests. I think also Mm -hmm. on Twitter you made them. And I agree with you totally. So when it comes to one dayers, though, I think uh, a commentator was mentioning it on air. I think it might have been Yan Bishop that, you know, West Indies got the composition of the pitch wrong. So Mm -hmm. also in the, you know, the. Test my special podcast afterwards. Tino Best echoed the same sentiment. I think they may have made an error in the way they prepared the pitches. They went for the very sort of flat one-day good, you know, prototypical one-day wicket where scoring should be high, scoring that should be high. I think that was, they played into England's hands because this England batting team is a beast, an absolute beast. So, if you want to keep them down, you have to empower the bowlers and the bowlers showed it in the tests. Kimar Roach and Shannon Gibraltar and Holder himself, right? So, I think they need to empower. Now that the series and moving on to different islands different locations i think they have learned their lessons so fourth and the fifth matches and even the third match might be a slightly different lower scoring more interesting affairs. let me put it i hope this. so mm-hmm. so now uh, if you were to quickly run through the remaining uh, matches so there was a uh, one remaining one day between uh, new zealand and bangladesh so this was the third of the series and we had already covered the first two in the previous episode this was uh, new zealand at 3 0 with a comfortable victory. So, just mentioned uh, mention on that. So, uh, outside of that, there is a very interesting T20 series going on between Ireland and Afghanistan. And now the series is 2 0. Afghanistan have taken it, but it was a fantastic match. Both these matches were very good, especially the second one. The first one was a low scoring thriller. The second one, Afghanistan, by the end of the first inning, they had put the uh, sort of the issue completely out of uh, Ireland's hands. So, in the first match, it was I said it was a low-scoring thriller because uh, while batting first, Ireland were very, uh, you know, sort of uh, stuck. They couldn't uh, sort of score a lot of runs. They only made 132. But when they bowled, they sort of came back strongly and Afghanistan were in trouble, right? They were 5-for-50 and with not a lot of overs left. But then uh, Muhammad Nabi and uh, Najibullah Sadran showed how much evolved this Afghanistan team is in terms of skills, core skills, mm-hmm. And they comfortably wrapped mm-hmm. the, the match with no other wicket loss. So that was how the first match panned out. But in the second match, when Afghanistan got a chance to bat first, man, they went completely berserk. They scored 278 mm-hmm. runs in 20 overs. I think this is comfortably the highest T20 total. So I'm going to get mm-hmm. into the number of records that were broken. Yes, a bunch of records were broken in that one match. So I'll just get into it shortly. But, uh, you know, batting first... Uh, hazratullah Haziratullah Zazai scored 162 out of just 62 balls. He hit 16 sixes. So, they're playing in Dehradun. That's their home because uh, no teams are willing to tour Afghanistan. But uh, they play there and it's not a very small boundary. He hit 16 sixes there, right? Mm-hmm. And then, Usman um, Ghani supported him so well. By the time the first partnership ended, the score was 236 in the 17th over, in the 18th over. Oh. So, uh, they like literally butchered mm-hmm. the bowling. There's nothing to be there. Uh, Ireland tried, I think, eight bowlers. And <laughs> nobody, nobody except Boyd Rankin had a single-digit economy rate. And Boyd Rankin's economy rate was eight and three quarters. Right? This is how dominant the Afghani was. were.
0: So they might have asked is, uh, the umpires to bowl, you know.
1: <laughs> could have been an option. I mean, that, that might have helped, possibly. Right? Because uh, if you look at this, even before the first half the match was sort of finished but kudos to Ireland they came out fighting Paul Sterling scored 91 and then Kevin O'Brien 37 and they came to 194 chasing uh, this total and it was a very good score 194 but compared to what was required they comfortably lost by more than 80 runs you know so first of all as I, you know I told you the number of records that were broken if you see this is the highest T20 score ever Mm. right it's the most number of sixes in a T20 innings Right. Then this is um, a 44-ball T20-100, right? And uh, if you look at the number of records uh, that have been broken, uh, for example, all of these, they already had the highest score. Now they have the uh, highest individual score. They have the fastest uh, equal 100, right? And in spite of all this, when it came to bowling, Rashid Khan took 4 for 25. (laughs) Hmm. Right? This guy shows he's still the most effective short format bowler there is. Yeah. Right? He uses all his skills from all the uh, T20 leagues. players around the world. Fantastic uh, overall uh, series. So Afghanistan shows how far ahead they are when it comes to shorter formats. I'm very curious. Later this year, they play each other in a test. I'm very curious how the test is going to go. Because Ireland in their test debut had showed they were very good. They took Pakistan to four days and they stretched the match to the limit. Where Afghanistan were rolled out under in two, or two days, right? They were rolled over in two days from India. Yeah. So we'll have to see if Afghanistan is able to translate this sort of mindset, right? Uh, they say Shreva only played one, one form of batting. Maybe they need somebody like Hasratullah Zazai or Usman Ghani to play the same thing even in a test. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. 162 is 162 no matter where you score it. So just a, just a thought, right? But of course, uh, in the longer format, the real skills will come out. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Just a small thing. Now, another quick uh, quick uh, match to cover was the India versus uh, England women's tour that's ongoing. So there's a one day that just finished, right? Uh, so this match was played on the 22nd and it was played uh, uh, in uh, Mumbai. And here, so India batting first scored only 202. It was a very tight match, this one, right? So India batting first, they only scored 202 and they suffered sort of a collapse. So, Mithali Raj made 44 and Jamima Rodriguez and Mandana, as usual, provided a strong start. But there was nobody in the middle order to capitalise. India only could make 202. But when England batted, they were looking very comfortable. They were looking in a comfortable position to chase the, with Heather Knight, the captain, and uh, Natalie Siver. Sk- uh, they were able to sort of, you know, take the scoring comfortably to 111 for three. So, chasing 202 with uh, more than 20 hours left, you thought the match was wrapped up. But then Indian spinners came back strongly. So Ekta Bish took four wickets for 25 and uh, Deepti Sharma took two for 33 and between them they sort of caused this panic which we always talk of and uh, nobody could really support. Once uh, Natalie Siever was dismissed for 44, Heather Knight held one end but she was not at all supported and in a matter of matter of a couple of hours, they were rolled over and they all, we were all out for 136. So they, the collapse was seven for 25. So there was a rapid collapse. So that's just something to highlight in this match. Right? So these were all sort of all the matches we wanted to discuss. and uh, this was the number of, let's say match matches uh, that we wanted to highlight. But if you were to look at uh, this series for Indian women and England women, I think it's very crucial for India that they try to win this series comfortably because first of all, historically England women have never won a one- day series in India. So the Indian women will want to continue this dominance because uh, considering India does not play any bilateral cricket against Pakistan, there is a scheduled tour that's supposed to happen between the two women uh, women's team. And if that, that doesn't happen, I think in India I can use these points. Because in the, in the in the women's cricket, every team has to qualify for the upcoming World Cup. So they already have this cycle where every match that is played between the two World Cups count. And only based on that, all the teams need to qualify. So because of this, I think it's very crucial that uh, it becomes a points equation. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to do a quick preview of tomorrow's upcoming match, in India versus Australia, T20. Giri, did you read that Pandya is injured?
0: Yeah, I just read that he was injured and uh, Jadeja has been included in his place. Um, Indeed. So, it's, it's not good uh, uh, for the preparation, uh, World Cup preparation for India.
1: Does he That's come back small. for the
0: ODIs or is it just the uh, T20s? We don't over. know.
1: We don't know. I think he's injured. His injury might take a bit longer to heal i don't know if you heard in a couple of other podcasts in one tip one hand podcast right Mm -hmm. so they were joking about it it looks like pandya did some instagram shoot with uh where he was showing his (laughs) swimming gym gym skills he was doing some deadlifts So Mm -hmm. they were joking whether he injured his back doing that or something i don't think so it's that but Mm -hmm. it looks like a hamstring issue but anyway outside of the jokes you're right it's sort of a little bit of a you know blow for india when it comes to that repressions, but they have done a couple of interesting things in India here. They have brought in Mayank Markande and Siddharth Kaul into the squad. Mm-hmm. We don't know whether he'll play because Rahul is there, Pant is there. Also, Dinesh Karthik is still a part of the T20 squad, right? Mm-hmm. So, because of this, so yeah. now, um, you know, India will get a bit more chance to play around with the format. Uh, so, mm-hmm. India is uh, a team that's speaking. We saw it in New Zealand, the shorter format team. But I think Australia have a lot more questions to answer. They brought back some of the longer format specialists like Usman Khawaja into the team, right? And of course, Glenn Maxwell will always be waiting for an no opportunity to, to prove.
0: And somebody like Stoinis, for example.
1: Stoinis, exactly. Stoinis uh, was looking in fantastic touch right through the BBL, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So even in the final, I think. So yeah. uh, it'll be very interesting how it goes. So just, just a quick preview. Uh, we'll see in one of the upcoming episodes, I think we'll get a chance to talk about this match, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so,
1: yeah. For sure. Uh, you were mentioning something offline about AB De Villiers and his uh, Yeah, because
0: you mentioned uh, Hardik Pandya, uh, he uh-huh. has an injury in his back. Uh, I, I just happened to, you know, have a um, I was watching this uh, PSL game between um, Kveta Quetta Gladiators against, uh, I think it was Lahore, Lahore calendars.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, Lahore
0: calendars captain is uh, AB De Villiers. Uh, AB uh-huh. De Villiers was running back uh, to, you know, to uh, he was uh, taking a run uh, he ah. fell down and it looks like he hurt his back. Oops!
1: Ouch! Yeah. So okay.
0: it's an. I think it's a return of the back injury. Hopefully it's just a back spasm. But uh, anyway, he's retired from international cricket. But then again, he comes back for uh, RCB, right? Uh, later mm-hmm. in the year. I uh, see. Depends I see. on his recovery uh, now.
1: So now RCB I understand. Fans, where the RCB I understand. fans,
0: uh, keep your fingers <laughs> crossed.
1: <laughs> I see. That's where the concern is, I see. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't know you followed the, uh, IPL, man. I think we'll have no, to that. No, I used to follow, but I
0: just, I just uh, I'm just, i a fan of A B D Yes, I think a sure. lot of us are uh, his fans, but.
1: Uh, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> so a couple of quick small points about uh, the remaining uh, other miscellaneous things. So, uh, you know, the 100 uh, format has been revealed, right? Effectively, officially, it's been revealed now. And yeah. uh, England has got a backing of 17 out of the 18 counties for this exact playing conditions of format. I don't know, did you read this, Giri?
0: No, actually not.
1: Uh, so, it looks like um, they want to do, uh, like, it'll be 10 balls from each side. So, always cricket has been 6 balls from each side, right? Or eight, so, now it'll be 10 it balls from each side. Huh?
0: It w- wasn't it 8 when it, it began? It was days? also 8. It was yeah.
1: eight, it was four. You're right. But yeah. over the last 40 years or so, I think the last country to play it internationally was Australia. This is in the 70s. But after that, it's always been six, right? Okay. So now mm-hmm. England is trying to change that a little. There will be 10 from each side. So only 100 balls. And these 10 need not be bowled by the same bowler. So it can be five. It can be two halves of five where the bowling can be swept. Bowlers can be swapped. That's one thing. And as you say, there are there are also some strategy breaks involved and other things, but this is this is the main change in the format. Hundred balls, ten times they change sides, so ten such. So each bowler can bowl twenty balls. Same thing, that remains constant. So it's interesting. So we'll have to see how this pans out. And they are sort of, I think they are ready, getting all the fanfare ready, and they'll be rolling it out full fledged in Twenty Twenty. Is what we know, right? Mm. The last thing is that uh, I don't know if you followed Mizoram's women's team playing in the senior t20 league in india against madhya pradesh were nine all out and they had wow. nine ducks wow. so the highest scorer was extras here so uh, one of those you know observed uh, uh, scorecards that you can remember i don't know i don't know if you came across this there was this meme uh, i realized then it was not a meme but a real uh, scorecard uh, there were these forwards doing rounds a few years ago there were there is an england County, uh, sorry, in England, club match, officially recorded match with 22 patels. Do you know this?
0: No, no, I had, I didn't know
1: this. There is such a match. So in a club uh, game in England, there are 22 per tails on the scorecard. So something like that, you know, one of those quirks. So, but in this case, unfortunately, this is a match deciding thing, and MP comfortably won this match, and they hardly took five balls. Is what I read. One of which was also a bye for four runs or something. So uh, it was uh, the match was over in hardly eleven overs, something like this. It reminds so, me just, of
0: that uh, imperfect ten, uh, yeah, yeah, Australian women's side, South, South Australian women's side.
1: Exactly. So Misram yeah. have gone one better, if one may it, <laughs> say.
0: one verse, yeah.
1: That's it. So this sort of wraps up all the main discussion points for us this episode, Kiri. So all yeah. that remains is uh, the trivia question and some housekeeping. So the trivia question for this week is. Again, keeping with the Ranji theme that we've been following over the last couple of uh, questions. Who mm-hmm. uh, has the highest batting average in Ranji Trophy history? So if you look at the annals of Ranji Trophy, you get some very illustrious names. All the who's who of Indian batting there. So mm-hmm. can you name the uh, highest batting average and who has it and what is the highest batting average? Right. So uh, we uh, are waiting for your answers. So please get in touch with us either via mail, armchair.cricketer at gmail.com. Or, Armchair Crick Pod right? on Twitter or via our Facebook page. These are all the ways in which you can reach out to us. Also, uh, as we always request, please let your cricket uh, friends or friends who follow cricket uh, know about this podcast, spread the word. So, we'll always be thankful for that from our listeners. So, we have quite a lot of cricket as we've discussed, the ongoing shorter format series, quite a few that are coming up. Uh, there are no more uh, longer format series to expect except Bangladesh and New Zealand, who will be playing a test match series shortly. So, all of this we can look forward to in the upcoming episodes. So, yeah. I hope our uh, listeners are tuned in for the upcoming episodes as well. <clears throat> so, thanks a lot, guys. Bye bye from me.
0: Bye bye. See you next time. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.